0: Hold on a second, John reminded me I need to set my fantasy football line up, so if you'll just, I'm just, I'm, I'm kidding. You're doing it right now? That's all right. That's the best thing you'll do in the next 30 minutes. So, um, but um, it is a privilege to be able to be here. Um, it's been a joy to get to know um, Dr. Steve, I mean Dr. Ray. Dr. Um, Ray. <laughs> And so, I really don't care what you call me, just don't call me late for dinner, so um, it doesn't matter, but it is a privilege for me to be able to be here, and I'm grateful for the opportunity. Um, I want to show you a little bit about my family. I think we have a picture of my, my wife and my girls. This is where we were last weekend um, at, um, at, at Disney Hollywood Studios, and that's my wife Amy on the left, my oldest um, Graciela, who will turn three in March, and then our, our youngest is um, Sadie, and she'll be a year what? Satan? No, no, not Satan. No, sorry. Sadie, like, you know, Sadie Hawkins, Sadie. Um, sorry. Wow, my bad. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you don't even know her and you think I think that of her. Man, tough. Wow. I don't even know where to go from there. So I feel like I should pray and start all over. But... Um, but anyway so she'll be a year in November and, um, and so I'm just blessed with an incredible family I'm um, married way over my head and um, God has given us two daughters that um, I surely don't deserve and so um, it's it's a, it's a privilege for us to be able to be here today as a part of this church family and to, to worship together and to um, open up the, the word of God and, and see what he would say to us um, this morning um, it's interesting we would talk about retro and I know we did this last week and we're doing it again this week I am um, I'm a, I'm a t- television child. I, I grew up with TV on all the time, even to this day. Um, we have the TV on all the time. It doesn't mean that I'm sitting there as a couch potato, you know, vegging out, but it's always on. Um, it used to be on ESPN, um, and then I got married, and it was on um, more like HGTV, um, and now that I have children, it's on Disney Junior all the time. Um, matter of fact, Amy and I joked about this just yesterday, that we'll be walking through the house, and the girls will be taking a nap, and Disney Junior is still on, and we look at each other like, what are we doing? What, what, what is this? Um, but I am a child of television, and, and uh, my dad used to love television. In fact, he was the guy, and some of you may, have, may be this person or um, you know somebody, that the, the television is on, you walk in the room, and my dad would be sitting in his Lazy Boy, and he'd, be, he'd have the newspaper up in front of his face, and the TV would be on. You walk in, you change the channel, and what does he do? He lowers the TV and says, I was watching that. And I'm like, really? You can't even tell me what's on right now, and you're going to tell me that you're watching that. It doesn't matter. I was watching that. Okay. It was the same house that I grew up in, and I said this a little bit ago, but we had one of the first remote control TVs um, that, that, that existed, I think probably in our country, um, but we had a remote control TV, and it usually was something like, Brent, go change the channel. and and that's what it was like, and not only did you get up and change the channel, but you had to go through all the channels. We had the cable box with the dial on top, and you'd go through and click every channel until they found out what they wanted, and then it was usually, can you go back and do it again? But I grew up with television and and watching television, and one of my dad's favorite shows, and I remember it being on television in the evenings and different things, but was a show in the 70s called MASH, and some of you may be familiar, and you may know, um, you know the, the cast, and this is the the second cast. But you may remember Pierce. You may remember. You may remember Hot Lips hulahan You may remember. May remember. You know the General and all these different groups, and, and Father Mulcahy. But MASH was a was a show that was very popular, and people loved. And um, perhaps it took a light approach to a serious topic, but nonetheless, it was a popular show, um, coming out of the seventies into the eighties. This is a show that I kind of remember a little bit more, and it was the show Cheers. And you remember the the. the theme Song, You want to go where everybody knows your name. And you talked about Cliff and Norm and Sam and Coach, who was then replaced by Woody. And you had Diane eventually giving birth to a show called Frasier. You know, he started out as a, as a psychiatrist on Cheers. And, um, and, and there's a joke in there somewhere about a psychiatrist hanging out at a bar. But anyway, um, but, but you began to realize and understand that Cheers was an extremely popular television show. And coming out of the 80s and going into the 90s, um, perhaps a show that many of you are familiar with is Friends. You know, you saw them. You saw, you know, Rachel and Monica, and you saw Ross and, and, um, and everybody as they got together and they had this New York lifestyle, and, and they just kind of bopped into each other's apartments and, and flats, and they would hang out at the coffee house and all this stuff. And they were popular shows. Um, perhaps one that just went off the air that was one of my favorites is The Office. And you may, um, may, may be familiar with The Office and to see how a different collection of people from all these different backgrounds, and even as the show changed and morphed and you know, Michael moved on and different things, the show still maintained its popularity as people watched it. And of course, um, one of the shows today that, that Amy and I find ourselves watching is a show called The Big Bang Theory. And, um, and anybody here watch The Big Bang Theory? Yeah. Okay, let me just say this. For whatever it's worth, I don't necessarily endorse the content of the show, but it is funny, Okay. It is funny. I wish I knew a Sheldon in real life. And some of you that know the show know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a funny show, but we enjoy watching these types of shows. We enjoy watching them because it's kind of a microcosm of our life. We know different people from different backgrounds who come together and do life together. It really doesn't make any sense in a lot of these instances, how you can have people who are so diverse and come from such different places, and yet they do everything together. It doesn't matter if they're eating together, if they're going out together, but in each of these shows, you find them together doing life together. And today, as we move forward, we're talking about the whole idea of doing life together. Sharing life. Last week, as Dr. Ray said, we launched a, a series called Retro, um, and, um, and, and one of my friends recommended when the whole bumper was going on that I should break dance or do something. Um, but I, I'm not going to do that because anything that would break would be my neck, and so that would not be good. But this whole idea of retro and the, the thought and the philosophy is that sometimes in life you have to look back in order to move forward, or you have to look back in order to move forward forward. Sometimes you have to evaluate from where you came so that you know exactly where you're going and how you can get there. Last week, Dr. Ray talked about contagious love and the whole idea that when you look at the first church and you see how they interacted with one another, that they came together with this contagious love that was authentic that it was affectionate, and that it was active. And this love was a reflection of the love of Christ that was poured into these disciples, but then how they loved each other and how they put their lives together. Today we're going to look at, we're going to see as we look back so we can move forward, we're going to see how they did life together. And out of this love they had for one another, that they just shared their lives this morning, if you have a copy of the Bible, I want to encourage you. We're going to be in the book of Acts. Um, it's in the New Testament. You have kind of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then you get to um, the book of Acts. And we're going to be in the second chapter. And um, the words are going to be up on the screen as we look at this in a little bit. But I would ask if you would just kind of join me as we honor the, the, the Scriptures this morning as we stand to our feet and read from, um, read from God's Word. And I'll be reading here um, Acts chapter 2, verses forty. Um, 42 through 46, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Verse 45, And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. 46, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. If you would please have a seat. When you look at this and you begin to see what the first church did, and how this contagious love that they had fulfilled itself and carried itself out, you see that they shared life together. Note this. In verse 43, it talks about every soul. In verse 44, it says they were together. They had all things in common. In verse 45, it says they gave to all as any had need. It says day by day in verse 45. Day by day, they were together in homes. There's a lot of stuff going on in Acts chapter 2. In this first church, we see they are busy, busy, busy. Whether they're praying, whether they're having fellowship, whether they're giving, whether they're sharing with one another, whether they're going to temple or they're going into homes, they're doing a lot of stuff. But there's one thing in common, no matter what they were doing, they did it together. They did it together Just like those television shows I mentioned, they had all different topics and different subjects and they were going this direction and that direction and this issue would pop up, all these different things. But no matter what it was, they were doing life together. It didn't matter what they were doing, they just did life together. This morning, that's what we're looking at as we consider and look at sharing life. This whole concept out of Acts chapter 2, the first church did life together. For whatever it's worth, in the original language, as you begin to get into Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, there's a definite article, the, and you have the fellowship and the prayers and the breaking of bread. It's an important word. You think, well, what is is the so important? What it's saying is it's establishing the fact that there is one and only true thing. Um, I know know we have some Ohio State fans here, right? You know, if I said, you know, O-H... There you go. See, you guys have no clue what that, what just happened, but it happens everywhere in Ohio. The official name of Ohio State is The Ohio State University. There's no confusion. Now, there's an Ohio University, there's a Cleveland State University, a Youngstown State University. There is a state university system in the state of Ohio, but there is only one, The Ohio State University. In Florida, we don't have that. We have a Florida State University, a University of Florida, a university. What's that? The, the, I, well, you just stole my joke. The whole joke is the Florida State University is the University of Miami. But, you know, that joke just got stolen. Thanks. I appreciate it. But <laughs> all right, let's just close our prayer. You want to do the rest of it? Because, you know, that's, that's good. Just the you. It's all about the you. Anyway, I digress. See, we're talking about spiritual things today, you know, that, this is great, this is great. But the whole idea behind this is that there's one true thing. And when you think about this, when you come to the word fellowship, what is fellowship? Some of you may come from a church background where fellowship is one of the, the words that gets thrown out of everything. If you're going to have a church, there are some places where you're going to have a church event, you can't have it unless you're going to have food, fellowship, and fun. Fellowship is just a word that's tossed around, but when you go and look at the original language, in the Greek, the word is koinonia, and it, picture, it creates a mental image of intimacy, of people being joined together, a partnership, really living life in community. The idea is that there's a personal connection with one another. It's on a deeper level than just I know you, you know me, but we're in this thing together. Last night as I was trying to think of a mental image of how to communicate this, it's kind of the difference between stockholders and partners. Stockholders make an investment, and if the company does great, that's okay. But really as a stockholder, you're most interested in the value of your stock. How does that impact you? If the company does well, that's fine, but what, what, what did the Dow do today? That's what I'm interested in. As a partner, you're fully invested. You are in this. If the company doesn't do well, you don't do well. You have to pour everything you have into it. And your success is defined by the how the whole group does. A lot of people approach church and church, approach the family of God like stockholders. It's okay for what I can get out of it. But what koinonia is is the partnership that we put into it. And if I don't put into it, and if we as a whole collective aren't making a difference in the kingdom then really, we're not doing much at all. That's the whole idea of koinonia. It's a deep, intimate level. And as to apply that, this morning, we're talking about sharing life and doing life together. But that's kind of an umbrella. The whole idea and concept of of fellowship is an umbrella. In fact, if you go back and look at verse 42, Luke says that they devoted themselves to these things, the fellowship. And then he goes on and describes what he says fellowship is. And the phrase that he uses is the breaking of bread. Here in verse 42, we see Luke says that the apostles devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. What in the world is Luke talking about when he says the breaking of bread? Does this mean that they got together over at, um, over at the local pizza place and they, you know, got a pitcher and got a few pies and sat down and chilled out? Or is there something more in depth? The answer is yes. Luke is talking about both. Luke is talking about the fact that they did break bread and had a meal together. Now in a minute we're going to see that there's something else, but let's start right there. Luke is talking about the whole idea and the concept of having meals together. I've had the opportunity, and my wife Amy has been with me on a, on a trip to, to Beirut, Lebanon. I've also been to, to Syria. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend going there today, but when I went, it was, it was a little different. Um, but one of the primary things about life in the Middle East today, and even more so when, the, when, when this account of the Acts of the Apostles was written, was the whole idea of community around meals You cannot walk into a home without having a meal. Even if you're a guest, even if they aren't expecting you, guess what? You're going to sit down, and I sure hope you don't have anything scheduled behind because you're about to have a meal. And I was just, between services, we were just talking to some people. My wife is is Cuban, and the Cuban Latin culture is the exact same way. It's all about food all the time, and I love it because I, I mean, look at me. I love it, okay? (laughs) Okay. So, But the idea behind it is this, is that in the first century culture, everything was done around a meal. Everything was done with the intent of building a relationship. They didn't work focused on the outcome as much as they were the process of being together and building a relationship. And that's what the first church understood because Luke said they broke bread together. Now, there's a book that we're offering um, for for you to have, um, and it's my understanding we sold out um, after. But please, uh, at the conclusion of the service, go out and give us your name so that we can make sure you get a copy. But it's called A Meal with Jesus, and it's by an author named Tim Chester. And he goes through and shows how Jesus used meals and fellowship time together to do and to accomplish the ministry that he came to do. Think about these things. When you think about the gospel and you think about the, the, the ministry of Jesus, Jesus was notorious for eating with sinners. Jesus was known for um, one meal that he had when he was having dinner and, and a woman came and interrupted the meal and wiped his, his feet with her hair. Happened around a meal. Jesus fed the 5,000. That was a pretty big meal. Jesus was in the home of Mary and Martha, and you get the story of the busybody versus the one who sat at his feet. But the whole idea was they were preparing to have a meal. Part of Jesus' ministry, and a big part of it, was doing meals together. You think of Zacchaeus. He went and sat in his home for dinner. Perhaps the most well-known dinner is what we call the Last Supper. Jesus was together with his disciples celebrating the Passover, remembering what God had done in previous days. But Jesus put a new spin on it that we're going to talk about in a second. But that was around a meal. Then even after his death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus had meals with two guys on the road to Emmaus. And then he had a, a, a meal with his disciples in Jerusalem. Jesus did his ministry through meals. And what's interesting is, is everything I just read, everything that was just up on the screens, came out of the gospel account according to Luke. Who wrote the book of Acts? Luke. Luke. The same guy that recorded all of these instances in the gospel accounts of Christ is the same guy who's writing about the first church, placing an emphasis on the importance of meals. In fact, it was so important to the ministry of Jesus. If you look at Luke chapter 7 and verse 34, you see how Jesus' entire ministry, and it's up here, it says, the Son of Man has come eating and drinking. You've heard the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. The Son of Man came not to, ser- not to, be, ser- not to be served, but to serve. But then Luke also says the son of man came drinking and eating. His methodology of ministry was to break bread with others, to build a relationship for the purpose of life transformation. He understood that. He lived it and he practiced it. But here in Acts 2, it's not the only place we see in the New Testament where meals were a part of what the first church did. In fact, in the, in the letter of Jude, which is right before the book of Revelation, um, Jude is the half-brother of Jesus. And in the middle of this letter, he talks about those who have interrupted and have messed up what they call the agape feast, the love feast, which was basically the first pitch-in dinner. Now, some of you may come from a church background where you bring a covered dish, right, pitch-ins, covered dishes, whatever you want to call it. That's exactly what it was. The love feast, those who were in fellowship together brought what they could so they could have a meal together. Kind of sounds like something we're calling alpha groups, where you come together for a meal to have fellowship with one another. And they did this in the first church. In fact, the Apostle Paul talks about it in the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, when you come together for a meal. Now, Paul, in a minute we're going to see, has a different twist behind it. But think about this as we think about doing life together. The first church did meals together. They broke bread bread, and did meals together. What's an application point for us? As we walk away from here today, here are some things that you can keep in mind. The first thing is is the growth groups, the alpha groups that are starting. That is whole, the, the, the whole opening in part is doing life together and doing life together around a meal. It's a great opportunity for us to look backward and move forward as we think about being an Acts 2 church, to be a part of an Alpha group, to experience that which the first church experienced. The second thing that Luke meant when he said the breaking of bread, first was having meals together. The second thing was the whole idea of communion. Communion, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, whatever background you may come from, the idea that we celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ through the breaking of bread, the shed blood, the fruit of the vine, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, um, verses 17 through 34. Paul comes together, and as he's teaching this church at Corinth, he's sending them a letter. And notice what he says. He says, in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. He says, look, you guys do a pretty good job on a lot of different things, but in this one area, I need to provide some correction. I need to help you guys figure out what's going on. So when you come together, realize this. And then Paul begins to talk about how they do meals together and how they do the Lord's Supper together and how in the first church they did them at the same time. And basically what's going on in Corinth is you have some people that are bebopping into the home. You know, they show up. They're the type A personality that's on time every time. If you're 15 minutes early, you're late, that whole type of personality. They're showing in. They're going through the buffet line. They eat their food. They sit down. They partake of everything. They have the Lord's Supper. And, 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 and I almost said the Latin people show up late, but that would be offensive. Um, um, the, 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 the other people show up late. I'm sorry, Amy, I did, it just came out, and I don't know where Renee is, but, um, but anyway, I don't mean to be offensive. It's just I've learned to live in that culture. So um, they show up late, and everything's gone, and the buffet's empty, and not only that, but bigger than the food being gone is the fact that they've not partaken of the Lord's Supper together, that they've rushed into it, that they've done it more like a chore, like it's a routine, like it's something we have to do, as opposed to doing it together as a family. And Paul says, I have this against you, and he's saying, look, When we do this, we eat our meal together, we do the Lord's Supper together, we do it together. Notice that the the practice of the first century church was to do them in conjunction with one another. So when Luke is talking about breaking of bread, he's talking about both doing meals, but also the Lord's Supper. Christ left us an example. Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, Paul says, he showed us how to break bread and drink the wine. And it wasn't like he had special elements set apart. Those were just items that were on the table because they were doing a meal together. Understand that, that meals with believers in the, first, in the first century was a picture of both fellowship and celebration. Celebration. In a moment, before we leave here today, I talked about application from meals together through groups, but in a moment, we're going to have immediate application in the area of communion, we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper, and we're going to be able to celebrate and remember what Jesus did for us. Remember the fact that Jesus lived a sinless life and, and was a sacrifice and an atonement, that his body was broken and that his, his blood was shed so that we could have a relationship with God that when he came off the cross and was buried in a borrowed tomb, and that he rose again on the third day, that whoever believes in him, whoever calls upon his name, can have a relationship, can have eternal life, can, can find victory and freedom because of who Christ is and because of what he's done. And in a moment, we're going to have a time to celebrate that. If you're here today and you're, you're kind of new to this church thing and, and, and this is your first time here or, or maybe you don't understand what's going on and you, you aren't familiar with, with who Jesus is or what he did, all I can tell you is this, is that I know what I was like before Christ and I know what my life is like with Christ and it's radically different. What you do is when, when you understand and come to believe and trust in who Jesus is and you decide you're going to leave everything behind and follow him, you'll experience the abundant life that he promised. It's not easy. But it is simple. It is faith in Christ alone. There is no other way for salvation except through Jesus. And the Lord's Supper reminds us that it was his broken body and his shed blood. That whoever believes will not perish, won't die, but will experience eternal life. So in a moment, when we partake of the Lord's Supper, I want to challenge you and encourage you to consider placing your faith in Jesus, and Jesus alone, for salvation. So, application, alpha groups, and this morning we're going to participate in the Lord's Supper. Now, this morning when I opened, I talked about my TV heritage, and that just sounds awkward to say, but I talked about my TV heritage and all these things, and when you look at them, you go back to MASH, and you think about they used to eat in the mess hall, and that's where a lot of the discussions and different things would happen. When you go and you fast forward to Cheers, I mean, it was over beer nuts and pretzels, not quite a meal, but hey, kind of close, right? And then you go forward and you think about friends and how much time they spent in the coffee house, in breaking bread together. And, and then you, you look at the office and, and how many times did Michael just want to go to Outback or how many times, you know, did he want to go to the Chinese buffet before he was kicked out or, you know, probably one of the funniest episodes was, was the Dundies, right? And when did the Dundies happen? Chili's. Yeah, we got some office fans here. Happened at Chili's. It happened over a meal. And there's not an episode of the Big Bang Theory that doesn't go by where they aren't eating Thai food or something, sitting around, they're not even around a kitchen table, they're, they're sitting around in their living room, having a meal together. One of the most popular shows on television today is is one that's set up on our DVR, and that is Duck Dynasty. Anybody here watch Duck Dynasty? Some of you, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I, I, I show, I, I've anyway. There's a Duck Dynasty app where you can put a beard on yourself. I have a picture of myself with a, with, a, with a Willie Robertson beard if anybody wants to see it. I didn't forward the picture for them to put it up there, but if you want to see it privately, ask me. Anyway, I don't even know where that came from. Okay, so every episode of Duck Dynasty, you see conflict, you see humor, you see all these different things. Maybe I appreciate it because I have a brother who picks on me and, and, and I've, I've, I identify more with Jace than I do Willie, but whatever the case may be, when they come together, Every show ends with one thing, the meal around the table. And it really doesn't matter what's happened up to that point. They're able to put everything aside, be together as a family having a meal. And what's great as you hear, you know, Willie talking over the action. You see them and they're retelling the events and, and they're animated and they're laughing and they're telling stories and they're picking on each other and they're doing all this. But guess what? They're doing it together as a family over a meal. The New Testament calls the church a family. Brothers and sisters, joint heirs with Christ. For those who have placed their faith in Jesus, we are brothers and sisters with one another. We are a family. You know the old saying, you you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. God chose us to be together as a family. And just like in Duck Dynasty, they gather together for a meal. And I think that's why, for whatever it's worth, the show is so, so popular. Because people long for that type of relationship. They long for the days when, as a family, they could come together. And as the church, we're a family. And God has given us a model, thinking about, you know, looking back so we can move forward. As we go retro, looking back to move forward. The first church in Acts chapter 2 did this. They gathered together. They broke bread. They shared life. They shared meals. And they shared the Lord's Supper. This morning as we close, I just want to give us an opportunity to to think through these things and to ask God to help us as a church to be able to think of ourselves as a family coming together, doing life together, because it really doesn't matter what we're doing as long as we're doing it together. And specifically, we can come together in groups with meals. We can come together on a Sunday morning and be able to participate and partake Of the Lord's Supper. So I'm gonna take some time just to ask God to help us in prayer. And then also, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 11 before you take the Lord's Supper, examine yourself, find out where you are, make sure that your relationship is in the right place. If you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, I encourage you and challenge you to consider that this morning before partaking. Maybe there's a break in that fellowship and you just want to kind of get back to that place where you were with God and and, and restore, as David says, restore the joy of my salvation. Wherever you may be today, I want to encourage you to just think through before we partake. So if you would, just bow your heads and close your eyes as I pray this morning. (laughs) Heavenly Father, God, Lord, I thank you for your word and the truth that lies within. Lord, I thank you for the gift of Um, Jesus, that you've given us, Lord, and the the eternal life that comes through faith in him. God, I pray that you would help us and cause us as a church to be um, doing life together, sharing life. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand the the value and the importance of groups, Lord, and that you would cause us to to be able to gather together, to break bread, to have meals together. But Lord, even as we approach the, the Lord's table this morning, God, to be able to celebrate communion together. Lord God, as, as we come to that time this morning, I pray that you would just speak to our minds. Help us to, to be quiet for a moment. Lord, take captive our thoughts. Speak to us, Lord. For those who are here today that don't know you, Lord, I pray that you would just um, that you would work in their heart. and You would draw them unto yourself, that they would place their faith in you. There's not a set of magic words that be, to be said, Lord, but that they would just trust you with all that they have to turn to you and to turn away from everything else. Lord, for those who are here today who are followers of you and identify as having a relationship with you, God, I pray that you would draw us close, Lord, that we would examine ourselves. Paul says in your word to not take this lightly, to not take this without examining ourselves, or we we drink and eat judgment upon ourselves. And Lord, I pray that you'd keep us from doing that. But God, that we would come to you with a clean heart with a steadfast spirit, Lord, I pray that you would just renew that within us, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us in this moment. God, as we approach the table, we're most grateful as we remember what Jesus did. As we remember the broken body, as we remember the shed blood, the body that was beaten and so disfigured it was hardly recognized, the blood that was shed that would cover all of our sins, past, present, future. Lord, I pray that we would just remember your son and all that he's done for us. And that if he never did anything else, Lord, Jesus is enough, more than enough. God calls us this morning to remember and to celebrate, pointing forward to the day in which you will come again. Lord, we ask all these things in that name in the name of jesus amen